Hello, hello. It's Howie Spangler, Tales from the Green Room, episode number 53. <clears throat> Clearing my throat there, sorry. Um, winter's been brutal, man. <clears throat> A lot of dry air in these hotels we just we were staying at. And uh, it messes up the, the throat and oh, it's just awful. Hope everyone's great. Uh, sorry it's been so long since the last episode. Um, it's been like two weeks. A little over two weeks now. So today I changed things with another episode. Um, <clears throat> thanks to everybody that came out to the, uh, the Stand By Your Van Tour with Ballyhoo and Badfish and Little Stranger. Fun times. Um, hit a lot of places that we don't normally go to. Like uh, we did Nashville. I mean, we hadn't been there since Warp Tour. And we had, that was 2016. And then a year before that, with Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish. Um, and before that, I have no idea. Might have been our first time there, actually, in 2015. I, I, I don't remember. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, um, what else happened? What else, what else has been going on? Uh, fasting. Kind of picked it back up again after the holidays. Holidays just screwed me totally on that. It's been, like, really rough. Like, uh... <clears throat> I, I just, you know, there's like the food and the, the, the treats and the, the cookies and the ice cream and, um, and you know, everybody wants to drink and stuff. And, um, it just makes it hard, man. But uh, New Year's Eve, I didn't, um, didn't drink at all. Yeah, I just went over to our, our friend's house and didn't drink at all. I think I had a sip of champagne at midnight. Um, that was it. Been really taking it easy on the drinking, I'll say. Uh, and I'm feeling better for it. I am. I'm feeling a lot better. It's uh, it's nice to, to wake up in the morning and just not feel like a total piece of shit, you know? What also sucks um, is when I do mess up on the fast and I, I eat late. And it only happened a couple times uh, on the tour. At home, it's not a big deal. I'm just kind of used to it. But when I'm out on the road, it's just kind of a different vibe, you know, and everybody else is getting food. They're all drunk and they want to eat, like, shit food, you know, at 7-Eleven or whatever. Or go to Denny's or Waffle House. And it makes me want to eat, too, you know. Most nights, I was totally cool. I was like, nah, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to, you know, slam some water or something real quick. Just go to sleep. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and I did that. But a couple nights, I ate late. And I paid for it. The next day, dude... It's awful. Like, my body just feels like, what are you doing to us? Like, stop it. That's, that's what my body's telling me. And, um, and I hear it, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's really weird. Like, the, the, this whole fasting thing has really, like, changed uh, how I, you know, respond, how my body responds to the evil things that I do to it. Um, and, uh, even when I when I do eat when I when I when the window opens and I get to eat you know I usually eat within like an eight hour window six to eight hour window sometimes um, <clears throat> uh, I just notice I can't eat as much like my my stomach is, is shrank and uh, it's it's wild and like yesterday for example I made this big I made pasta for the fam you know it's like my thing it's my thing uh, no I just made this Alfredo pasta penne uh, veggie penne is good and uh made that and i you know i scooped on as much as i usually you know the the huge right i scooped on the huge 
and sit down. I'm eating, and I just there's still like I'm starting to feel full, you know. And just, I look down, I'm like oh my god, like I'm not, I'm not gonna finish this. So I gave it to Danielle, and she finished it. <laughs> she doesn't play, man. She's like she will eat everything. Um, so that's a uh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, you know back on the on the wagon, I guess. It's been uh, been better. Um, and not drinking has been rad. And I, when I say not drinking, I don't mean completely off the sauce, right? I just mean like, just, you know, I have a, like I had a, a beer with dinner the other day, that, that kind of stuff. Um, I had a couple shots at some of the shows on this last run, but you know, I just not, it's definitely not what it used to be. And I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm totally fine with it. I don't need to get fucking wasted. In fact, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to feel that way. A lot of times, like we'll get done with the show and then we'll be sitting there. Like, especially post show. It's like, what's the point in drinking now? Like, I just feel like I'm just, what, why I'm going to feel like buzzy and t- tipsy and then go to sleep. I don't know. It's just, I don't like the way I feel, you know, but to each his or her own. Right. Um, Get out there and fucking do it up, you know? A lot of you people listening out there, you don't get like, you don't, you're not partying every night of your life for two months, you know, out in a different city every night. You're, you're going to work and, you know, you're coming home and doing the thing, right? Like, and you want to get, you want to get fucking lit and that's totally cool, you know? But me, I've just done it so much. <laughs> it's just been like, ugh, I've been touring for almost 13 years. Um... Anyway, uh, today, <laughs> today on the show, I've got Ryan Hunter uh, from his new project, First Vows. Uh, he just put out his new record. It's an ambient record, um, like uh, meditation type of stuff, like instrumental. Very interesting, very, very interesting stuff. Like you study to it. I imagine you can have sex to it. Um, I may put it to practice sometime this week. Let's see if it... I'll let you know how it goes. Um, he was also in a band called Envy on the Coast. Still is in a band, uh, Envy on the Coast. Um, they put out some records, some EPs. Um, they're not active as of right now. Hopefully we'll see them come out, come back out, you know, sometime in the future. But dudes like Voice is, is amazing. It's just, they were like a great rock band. I suggest you check them out and definitely get on that first vows. Just listen, you know, throw this on while you're driving or or you're working out, or, or whatever, you know, you're doing your yoga, um, eating some froyo. Um, anyway, we had a great conversation, it was the first time I'd ever talked to him ever in my life, and um, normally I talk to people that I know, so it was it was different and interesting, but cool to just kind of make a cold call and talk to someone, you know. Um, anyway, seems like a good guy, and uh, here it is, Ryan Hunter on Tales from the Green Room, episode 53. Ryan, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. That's great, man. Um, yeah, my, my buddy uh, James uh, helped get this together, put you in contact with me, and I'm stoked. Um, I saw uh, something a while back, some friends of mine, um, well, friends of James, and we're all friends now, but anyway, um, <clears throat> I guess they filmed uh, your band Envy on the Coast uh, at, uh, I, was, I think it's the Sinclair 
Oh yes, yes. James was involved with that. Uh, that his his friends were his friend was uh, I guess the audio company audio video company that did it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes, that was um, that was like our first shows back in uh, I think about six or seven years. Um, and that was yeah, that was at the Sinclair. I guess that would have been like 2016, a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, and that was the first time I heard you guys, um, and I thought it was great. It reminded me of, uh, it reminded me of Incubus, actually. If, oh, nice. If that man. makes sense. Yeah, we we definitely got that a lot back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge Incubus fan, and um, your voice is insane. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Yeah, no, Thank you, I appreciate that. No worries, man. Yeah, um, where do you, uh, where'd you draw your influence from, like as far as like, the vocal stuff? Um. I mean, I feel like it's evolved a lot over the years. There's, um, there's definitely like the, uh, the staples that I grew up on, which like, you know, there was definitely a period where, um, so at first there was like a, a punk rock and hardcore sort of, uh, period where I just kind of wanted to thrash around on stage. And then there was, uh, the moments that I was like, you know what? I think I actually want to learn how to sing and get, good at this and um i definitely remember incubus being on the radio at that point and sort of around the make yourself morning view era of that band and and he was you know brandon was definitely that guy where he he could really sing over rock music so that was you know that was part of it and then i think i probably went further down his dna and um found stuff like Faith No More and Mike Patton, which is probably or definitely where, you know, they were pulling from uh, as well. For sure. Um, and then um, uh, I'm trying to think who else, like during my younger years, Nine Inch Nails is big for me. Trent Reznor is still a big influence for me. Um, and then uh, uh, I grew up, you know, before before my teenage years, I grew up with a lot of soulful music in my house. Um, my dad didn't really listen to rock music. It was a lot of uh, Motown and, and things like that. Um, so I feel like that was, I feel like it in me early um, because I noticed that even when I was doing heavy stuff or even when I was listening to heavier music, I only really cared about the bands that like, had a sort of um, soulful quality to what they were doing. Um, and, um, you know, like uh, Bad Brains and, you know, later on, like Glass Draw and, you know, stuff like that. Like, that was definitely important to me in my early years. And then I went full into the sort of soulful world of things, um, like uh, sort of the era of the Soul Aquarians with... Um, um, Dilla and Common, Erica Badu, and of course D'Angelo, um, and, uh, well, Bilal. And, um, I was very, very heavy into that for, I would say, probably three or four years. That was about all I immersed myself in. Um, that and anything they were pulling from. Like, I, I always tried to, like, whenever I had, um, something that was contemporary that was speaking to me. Um, I would always try to take a few steps back and try to figure out what they were inspired by. So, you know, that got me into James Brown and Sly and Family Stone and um, Marvin Gaye and all the stuff that they were pulling from and modernizing. Um, 
And yeah, I just I kind of wanted to develop my falsetto and just become more of a nuanced singer at that point and pull from those influences because there was just all this stuff that you couldn't really get away with um, in rock music because you had to compete with walls of guitars. So, um, yeah, and then that brings me to today. And uh, I guess today I'm all over the place. Um, I listen to just a, a lot of different stuff, you know. You're real versatile. Like, yeah, I was going to say, like, you got some killer falsettos. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Like, really. Thank you. Yeah, that's, those aren't, you know, easy to do. And, and, and being able to um, to do the kind of sort of screamy rock stuff like you've got kind of like this um it's like this it's a full voice but you, you can do this full like just like that whole growly thing you know and then you get, then flip over to the falsetto it's just it's very versatile and uh i just find that very cool and unique and i never actually thank you man. yeah yeah um and i've never actually um done that myself like you seem to be like a real uh, student, you know, like when it comes down to, like you said, you, you really like to drill down, like really go back and find, okay, who, who, this person that I love their voice the most, what were they influenced by? What were they influenced by? And then what were they, it just, I see, it just splits off, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, like endless. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's always been interesting to me, especially when you, like when you find those records that are responsible for the thing that you grew up on, you know, like I remember, I remember hearing like quicksand for the first time years after listening to the Deftones and being like, Oh, holy shit. Like, okay, I, I see where this came from. And then the same thing, like I'd listened to a lot of like Sly Stone. Um, and I didn't really hear where D'Angelo was pulling from. Cause like the Sly Stone stuff, the, like a large bulk of the catalog is like this sort of like bombastic upbeat funk stuff. And then you had D'Angelo doing this like, very sultry, um, you know, just more jazz-inspired, down-tempo sort of thing. And I didn't really see the correlation until I found this one Sly Stone record, and it was like, oh, my God, like, this is it. Like, there's, like, two songs on this record that I'm just like, this is his whole DNA, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've always I've always been interested in that to see where, where things come from, you know? That's inspiring, yeah. It makes me want to go back and like start going back through, you know, cause like my, my influences are, I pretty, I wear them on my sleeve, you know, like it's Billy sure. Joe from green day, you know, like huge, it's just his mannerisms and the way he commands a crowd and the way he performs and chunks on the guitar. And, and then Bre Brandon from incubus and uh, Brad from sublime are like the two that are really put together, like vocal wise. Um, awesome. yeah, I wanted to get like the, the kind of sweetness of Brandon and like the versatility, but then the, like that soulful punch that Brad Knoll had when he sang. Sure. A really sure. raw emotion, you know, you try to put them together and spent years and years Absolutely. developing and cranking, like cranking in the car and singing and trying to hit every note, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so uh, when did you know that you wanted to do music? Was it when you were a young kid or later, a little later or what? Uh, I was pretty young when I... Uh when I started getting into it, um, let's say probably, um, I, I don't know why I can never think in terms of ages, but I, I, like, I hardly ever think in terms of ages and instead remember everything by like what grade I was in. So I remember getting a drum kit for Christmas, uh, that had to be about fourth grade. And then even before then I had some crappy uh, like 
plastic toy guitars around the house that I remember always just running around with. And then my mom had like a um, classical guitar that, you know, when, from when she was a teenager and she swore she was going to play and never did. And I think it only had like four strings on it, but I, I would write little songs and stuff on that. Um, and then uh, after I got that drum kit in fourth grade, I would say fourth grade to sixth grade was like the beginning of me spending most of my time hibernating and just wanted to figure it all out. Um, there was a there's a karaoke machine in my parents' house. It was like a little little combo amp sized double tape deck karaoke machine, and um, I figured out that if I if I hit record and just set up the mic in the room, I could record my drums and then play them back on the other tape deck and then play the classical guitar or whatever I had around uh, over that tape deck, uh, oh, sorry, over that tape and just keep switching the tapes to basically do like a faux multi-track recording. <laughs> um, this is great. And I, yeah, so I started doing that in like, I'd say fifth or sixth grade, and that's like those were like the earliest demos of, that I that I had of just like songs, and um, and then uh, I'm trying to think, I never wanted to like I like I, from a very early age, I I didn't have that like thing that's like I'm a drummer or I'm this or I'm that, and this is what I want to do like. I had an interest in everything and I just, I think without realizing it, um, or being conscious of it, I wanted to figure out how to use these things to like make songs. Um, so I think there was like a, a producer mentality in my subconscious, uh, even when I was that young, cause, um, it was only two years after I got my first drum kit that, um, I was begging my parents to get me a guitar. So, uh, I had a, I got a white, a white, all white Squire Strat because of Jimi Hendrix <laughs> and a little TV Blazer amp. And, uh, and then, yeah, and that was like, that was the beginning of that. And I mean, I was, I remember fast forwarding to high school. I remember like I, I went to a strict Catholic school. I would come home on the bus 3.30. I'd play my drums from 3.30 till 5.30 go upstairs, eat dinner, and then I play my guitar from like 7.30 till I had to go to sleep. Um, and then later, mess around on bass. And it, I was just always kind of jumping around and playing in whoever's band needed whatever piece they were missing. I was like, I could do that. I, you know, I'll, I'll jump in there. I just, I just wanted to play in bands, you know? Yeah, that, I think that's great. You got into different instruments too, you know, like, I remember, um, it's funny, we had the same sort of like story as far as like being a kid and discovering music and sort of having that um, producer mentality and uh, being like this little resourceful little engineer because I did the same thing. Like I had somewhere swirling the ocean, there's a, there's a Max L cassette tape of me singing the entire Dr. Feelgood album by Motley Crue. Um, <laughs> where I did the same thing. I played, the, I played the album and I had a tape recorder sitting across from it and I, with it, you know, I press record on that and I would just sing into the one I was recording onto and then I would flip the tape over and finish the record. But like, so I was always like trying to figure out ways to like layer and make a record. I never could, sure. I could never play guitar. Like I, I remember wanting to be a drummer when I was a kid. Um, 
right. and me and my brother would play uh we used to call it band and he would end up like being the drummer we'd have like two pencils he'd sit on the bed and we'd play like a rat album or Def Leppard or Motley Crue or something and I would take like a pencil and pretend it was a microphone and we were jumping all over the room and having a concert in the bedroom yep <laughs> absolutely yeah um at, I got man. I got I the, the all white Squire Strat as well. Um, nice, yeah, dude. Um, it, it's a, uh, it's it's fun. It's I wish I could go back to to feel those feelings for the first time, you know, and really really right. appreciate it how I felt. Totally. Because I totally. Did, did you ever find yourself getting um you know getting jaded or or just uh, stressed out about you know maybe things are going the way you thought or, or even the simplest things like this song's not turning out the way it should, or, or you, or you can't, you can't hit um, that note in the vocal or. Sure. Sure. Um, I had, I had a long, like I had a long period of probably, uh, let's say between four or five years, um, after I stopped touring with MD on the coast, uh, that were really difficult for me. And it was pretty much, solely that just beating myself up um constantly uh forcing myself to to work because i felt that was the only way to move forward um and um it was really difficult and uh when i got out of that uh, and there were solid blocks where i just didn't make music at all like four to five month periods where it's just like i don't want to listen to music i don't i don't want anything to do with it anymore um, when I got out of that and sort of like regained my excitement for it and like reestablished my purity, uh, or maybe that's the wrong word, but like when I rebuilt it all, um, I became very protective over it. And because I watched it destroyed, uh, at one point, you know, I, I, I just became very, very protective over it. And that, that comes down to even the people I spend time with. Um, I'm very, very conscious of how I spend my energy, who comes into my circle, um, uh, just everything, you know, um, and ever since I did that, I feel as though I have the thing that you're talking about, where I have the childlike excitement, um, all the time, uh, you know, like I, I don't know, like it, I, I get very, very, I still get, it still feels like magic to me. Um, you know, when I pick up an analog synthesizer, I can hear that someone's hands built this thing. You know, when I pick up a new guitar and just like, it feels as though a new guitar or a new instrument comes with six songs inside of it or because you're so inspired by it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess I, I feel very fortunate to have gotten that back and I'm militant about keeping it. <laughs> That's great, man. That's that's really great. Yeah, yeah. There's like a time I think like you sort of figure it out, and like maybe certain people around you aren't the best thing for you, like energy vampire, or you you see yourself in a toxic relationship or some kind of situation, and you finally kind of I guess realize I need to remove myself from this, you know, because this won't totally. this won't change, but I can change. I can change the things around me and put myself on a better path. I try to absolutely I try to get like I'm, I'm I'm always working on myself, you know, because I've always uh um I guess I've always been like uh I've always been super positive and like really driven for sure. Like I'm always 
doing things. I'm always working, you know, whether it's music or, you know, this podcast or making videos or whatever, something creative. And, um, I just like making things. And, um, sometimes I'll go through and I'll, I'll hear people, you know, I'll, I'll start to realize that people that are in my life or people that I'm talking to, um, our friends I've had for a while, they, they, I realized, wow, you complain a lot. Holy shit. Like, and then it, and it almost feels like projecting, like they're putting it on you. Like they want it to be negative. They want you to feel negative with them. You know, the whole misery loves company Definitely. thing and try to like get myself out of that, you know? Of course. Yeah. It's very easy to fall into. Um, it's much easier to be negative than it is, uh, to stay positive. And, um, it's also, uh, I, like I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty sarcastic person who doesn't take a lot of things seriously, and um, uh, my partner Brian, who, um, who I've known for 15 years now, we did Envy on the Coast together. We worked on tons of stuff together. Um, we have a dynamic that is extremely irreverent, um, is extremely sarcastic, and I've learned that, uh, like, I love that about us, but also finding the line of making sure that it's not a self-destructive sort of, like, thing of, uh, of falling into that negative spiral and making sure that it's still just to get a laugh out of one another um, right. is a fine line to walk as well, you know, which I, I do think we've gotten much better at over the years uh, of keeping one another in check and making sure that it is um, purely that um, and not a... Uh, digging our own holes. But, um, yeah, it can turn volatile real quick. <laughs> it's, definitely. Watch it. definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm huge definitely. on that. Uh, dark humor is like what keeps me going, I think. like, Sure. Like, I'm always, I make really, <clears throat> really shitty jokes and it's, it's you know, more, more self-deprecation than anything, but it's more like a, it's almost, it's really weird how that, that works. I don't know, it's like, it's, it's like I take, like when I, when I write, I, I like to take, dark stuff or self-deprecating subject matter and put it to like a an upbeat backdrop a positive kind of sounding melody and sure yeah great dynamic Uh, the juxtaposition is cool yeah i think people relate to it in a way it's like um someone said today i've been doing these a song a day on my instagram and youtube and um and a few of them lately have been about the, the about like depression and stuff. And I, that caption that was last night was "shocker," another song about depression. You know, just being silly. And right. um, and somebody's like, you know, these like the sad songs are the best though. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, they really are. It's um, I think people just connect a lot harder to um, to those types of things because most of us feel feel that you know feel depressed or yeah, sad definitely. a lot. You know. Yeah, well, acknowledging it is uh, the battle, you know? It's like we're all, I feel like so many of us, not everybody, but I, I definitely know a, a lot of us are, like, hardwired to um, to repress or keep things in or, you know, mm-hmm. maintain a face so that you can go about your day or your job or whatever. So um, to peel back those layers in any capacity is is doing the difficult work, you know, and that's, that's definitely going to, going to resonate, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, what's better than, than hearing a song, um, by an artist, your favorite band or whatever. And like the, just when you listen to the lyrics or you hear the melody and it's like, 
it, it just hits you so hard and it just makes you feel like you're not alone, you know, like this person is experience, has experienced or maybe experiencing the same thing that you are at the moment or, or have in the past. Um, it's just nothing better than that. It just, it's just, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, galvanizing. It's like, you just, you just, I get pumped, you know, to actually totally, to yeah. flip it into positive energy and make something fun or, you know, important. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Envy on the Coast. I like. Um, I don't know a ton about the band. I've I've heard some songs, and I actually I told uh, some of my guys in, in the band the other day that I was going to be talking to you, and they were like, "No shit, are you serious?" <laughs> and, oh, that's right. Yeah, right. yeah. I was like, "Yeah, okay." Um, so, Envy on the Coast is now. Is that um, you guys are based out of uh, the Boston area, or? No, we're originally from Long Island. You're from Long Island. Uh, okay. Brian still. Okay. Yeah, Brian still lives there, and I. Uh, I live out in uh, the L.A. area now, okay. in Southern California. Nice. And um, so was this Was this project, was this like, um, that was like, the? I guess after all the jamming, the bands you'd been in in the past, like this was like the one that was really, like really doing things, doing the big things, you know? Yes. Yeah, that was the, that was our baby. Um, it was like, uh, I'm trying to think. I don't remember like what the actual date was or the year was when when we started when we started going by that name, but um, all the original members were playing together while I was still in high school, probably a junior or a senior in high school when uh, the five of us were uh, at the beginnings of of what became Envy on the Coast, um, and then uh, let's see, put out a an EP in like. Uh, 06 maybe um and then uh yeah like just kind of uh we just wanted to tour uh we just kind of wanted to run away from home and and play on stage and wanted to play as many shows per year as possible so um we were fortunate enough to be able to build our career that way and have people involved on um you know the business side of things that enabled us to do that in a really big way um and that's kind of how we built everything. We were very, very uh, skeptical and did not trust labels and a lot of what was around us because we had sort of this group of elders guiding us. Um, being as though we came from Long Island, there were a lot of bands that reached um, uh, success coming out of Long Island around that time. We were fortunate enough to befriend a lot of them, and they... Um, they told us what to steer clear of, and um, everybody's obviously got their own opinion, but if you add them all together, you can um, definitely concoct a healthy level of distrust in <laughs> yeah, everything. There's so, some uh, denominator there. Yeah, so uh, so we were like, all right, well, what can we control? We can control our live show, and we can tour, and we can just work our asses off. So if we just put trust in that, I think we'll be good, and that's what we did. And um, put out two records on Photo Finish Records, uh, Matt Galley, who was uh, the guy who started Photo Finish, was great to us, um, especially during the years where we were particularly difficult to work with. Um, and um, yeah, and we had a really good run. Uh, 2010, I believe, we put out Low Country, which was our second full length. Uh, and on the personal side, things just fell apart. And on the business side, things also fell apart. And um, uh, 
two of the guys decided by that point we were just a four piece. I was playing drums on the recordings, um, and we had a hired drummer for live. And uh, two of the guys decided that they were just done with the with the grind of it and wanted to do other things. So uh, so we closed the book, and then um, back in let's see, 2016, after years of kind of having those occasional conversations of like, oh, like it would be fun to do that again. Um, you know, we re-entertained it and, uh, it was, uh, the conversations weren't what we thought they were going to be once we got everybody on the call and, uh, there was just reignited drama that we thought was dead and, um, Brian and I decided that we still wanted to do this despite the fact that other people didn't want to do it in the same capacity. So, um... So we were like, all right, well, let's just do it then. Um, and Brian and I started up the project again. Um, we had, by that point, befriended so many musicians who were beasts of their craft. Uh, and um, it just was, it was easy to us. It was a no-brainer to be like, we can still do this. You know, we were at the creative helm in the first place, uh, Brian and I. Um, so let's just do it. <clears throat> did uh now were you and Brian just did you guys just play all the instruments yourselves then at that point or did you get these beasts to come in and play on the records on the later stuff? Uh so we we put out one EP uh in 2016 um and yes that was just Brian and I playing everything. Uh actually I'm sorry. Uh I had written the drum parts and demoed them, but I uh I asked Billy Reimer um who I had played in another project with called NK um he plays drums for Dillinger Escape Plan, um, and he came in and he played drums on that EP. Um, That's rad. Because he's just, yeah, he's the man. He's just super fun to play with. So it was just the type of thing where I was like, I could sit down on kit and do this, but I know it's going to be better and more fun if Bill does it. So we called Bill, and he came in and did it all in a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Self-awareness, man. You know, it's like, yeah, leave it to yeah. the pros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted it to be a different thing. You know, yeah. So um, it, it was, you know, my of the two full lengths, the earlier drummer, uh, Dan, our first drummer, he's a very technical drummer, um, very mathematical, um, and I am the exact opposite. I am all pocket and all groove, and I don't care if I don't play a fill for five minutes straight. So the two records, the two full lengths are very different in that sense, and Bill, interestingly enough, kind of inhabits a space in between the two. Bill has incredible pocket, incredible feel, and obviously it goes without saying that considering he plays with Dillinger, can pretty much do anything in regard to technical abilities. So um it just made sense. I was like, oh this will be this makes sense for this EP. Bill kind of lives between both of those worlds. Um he's the perfect sort of bridge between the two. So um so that's why I called Bill. That's really cool, man. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to all these. and I'm gonna, I'll be listening for the differences for sure now. <laughs> cool. That's funny. Um, so can, I mean, can fans of Envy of the Coast expect more shows at this point? Or is it is you're just going to put out music every now and then? So we've done, since we came back and started doing this again, we've done a handful of shows every year. Um, nothing extensive. Uh, like, I would say like total two weeks of shows per year, uh, if even that. Um, 
if I'm being honest, uh, you know, it takes, takes a lot for us. We, we fall in this weird place in between because I feel as though we have a really, really strong legacy. Um, and there's places that we can go and sell out rooms and there's places that we do really, really well. Uh, you know, cities that we do really well. And then there's, there's cities that just never found us. And there's places that we just never went through their state or their town enough to ever make any sort of a dent, which makes touring very difficult that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of the reason why we've stayed to the Northeast because, you know, we can play these big rooms and put on the show that we want to. That's fun for us to do mm-hmm. um, with all the production and just everything that we want to do when we play a show. Um, so, um, so yeah, like I have a feeling it'll stay within that realm. Uh, I don't foresee our, us going out on a two month run anytime soon. Um, and it's not only just the aforementioned reasons. We always had a difficult time figuring out who the hell to tour with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that problem still remains. Um, we stylistically never, we were the band that never belonged anywhere. We weren't heavy enough for this tour. We were too heavy for this tour. We were like, it was just all, we were always the oddball, you know, and, um, and it's been difficult in that sense, uh, to figure out if we wanted to go out who it would be with, um, especially since music is changing constantly, obviously. Um, so, and, and the other part of it too is that Brian and I definitely gain a lot of satisfaction out of, um, being in the studio and creating, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, pushing forward. Um, I think there's a part of us that enjoys getting up there and playing songs we wrote 10 years ago, but it, I don't see us ever being the type of people who want to make that our lives. Um, it's just, um, I don't know. It's, it's just how we're built, right. you know, and, um, and, uh, if you're going to go out and tour and if you're going to go out there and live that life, I think you really, really, really need to be doing it with material that is, um, just coursing through your veins because otherwise you very quickly start asking yourself, what the hell am I doing out here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Completely um, on board with that. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen it, I've seen friends burn out. I've seen um, a lot of people leave the road and never go back to it. I've seen friends just feel tied to it because that's, that's all they know, and they just bounce from project to project, with hired guns or whatever. And um, yeah, I don't know. We we just we like to we like to keep things fresh, and we like to keep trudging forward and pushing forward creatively, and that kind of takes priority over anything else to us. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's cool that you're still at least doing the music, you know, putting out stuff, you know, that's I think that's yeah, most important, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I guess that was a very vague response to the question of can people expect new music or more shows. No, <laughs> but, I think uh, I think it was a good uh, answer, honestly. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's like a, I don't have a definitive answer because you know Brian and I get into a studio when we make stuff and um, and then we see where it belongs. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of 
always been our creative process or it's always been my creative process even when I'm on my own. You know, I, I, I don't get, I'm very bad at getting into a room and saying, I'm going to make this. Um, I just go into a room and I make stuff and then I figure out which, what I should do with it after the fact. So that kind of determines what I do, you know, or how I spend my time um, after I have a completed body of work. Yeah, that's um, a lot of the things you're saying uh, seem to be parallel with what's kind of been happening with with me and my band lately. Um, as far as like the music and stuff, like uh, when it when it came time, like we, so we ended up like when you say it was like hard to t- find bands to tour with and stuff. Like we we always seem to find a tour, you know, we always make it work. But um, and some bands we feel like we fit really well with, even though like there's there's definitely some differences, but. Um, so we ended up in this like uh, this like reggae rock genre, and um, right. we've been playing, you know, like I said, like Sublime and like Green Day and like Three Eleven. Those are all like an incubus. Those are like my favorite bands growing up, and um, I just kind of mixed all that stuff together, and we sort of ended up playing with like a lot of reggae bands, and especially the last couple of years, uh, a lot of reggae tours and stuff, and I noticed like. The, my my band like the rest the guys in my band are all metalheads and right. like they like reggae but it's like they really love hard shit and um you know so they they were bored you know they're just bored and it's like hard to get stoked when you're bored and like you said like it makes you feel like why am i out here doing this this is not my first choice you know and uh definitely and so um and we've always done like we've been mixing punk rock and reggae since the band began in 95 but um the uh it's just so the the new record, um, my my so my my father passed away in December 2016, right? And mm-hmm. so after I didn't write for months, like almost probably about eight months, I think it was. Um, and then the first song I wrote was like a ska punk tune, and it was a little more edgier and on the heavy side. And I knew right away I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I have these things things I need to write about. And um, I didn't want to put it against a pop reggae backdrop, which is like our last record was more like pop reggae, kind of like a party record. And I'm very proud of it. I thought it turned out great. A lot of great hooks and melodies on it. Um, and it's in our top 10 at Spotify all the time. You know, people people dig it. But um, the way that the music was coming out after all this happened, um, it just it wasn't going that way. And I wasn't going to force myself just because those songs were popular I couldn't force myself to just, you know, to write shit like that when I wasn't feeling that way, you know? And so I made the choice of saying, well, this is, this is real though. You know, this is what I, this is the way I'm headed right now. And so we put out pretty, it's pretty much a punk rock record. Um, and it wasn't forced. It wasn't like, eh, fuck that old shit. This is the new shit. It wasn't that. It's just the way it came out. And so, we started, you know, then we'll go play these reggae festivals and stuff that we had lined up still. And it's like, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> you know, I want to rock out. Right, like we want right. to, you know, we realized that the shows were getting well, to be a lot more fun playing this new stuff and playing. And we have old songs that are heavy too and like more punk rock as well. But um, when you throw more of those into the set, as opposed to uh, kind of tailoring the set for like a more laid back crowd, more reggae or whatever it was. Um, it just was, it's just way more fun this way. And totally, you know, so I don't know. It just, it just makes you think, and I don't know what the next stuff's going to sound like. I don't know if it's going to be reggae or rock or what, you know, but it's, it's just whatever the moment is. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know if it's, uh, 
can't figure out if, like in regards to what you're saying if it's if it's a shift that happened like culturally and in the music industry where like we only want our artists to do the thing that we recognize them for because it it does feel as though there was a time when artists like almost we almost expected them to travel to different places creatively from record to record and that was just part of it mm-hmm. and we were more open to that i don't know you know it would make sense um it would make sense that that was uh the result of music being experienced in a different format because i i do remember buying records as a kid and it not being what i expected from that band or that artist but you still lived with it like you you bought it you spent your your 14 dollars or whatever it was so like you couldn't just hit next on Spotify. So you just, that was the one CD in the car that you had and in your one disc player. So you lived with it and you got to know it and maybe it didn't immediately communicate the way the prior record did, but like you eventually understood it in a different way and like you didn't hate it or dismiss it and it became part of the journey with that artist. And, um, I'm wondering if we don't give artists that license as much anymore just because we have the ability to just next them, you know, uh, and it becomes harder. I, I don't know. You know, like, I, I make a conscious effort. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Like, I just listened to the new James Blake record last night, and um, I don't know anything about him personally, but I, I think he's one of the most important artists of the last 10 years, and it sounds like uh, this record is coming from a new positive place in his life where prior stuff was pretty dark and I loved that. Um, and I, I still got to listen to the record a bunch more to sink my teeth into it. But I, I definitely was like, all right, like I got to be happy for this dude, like whatever, <laughs> wherever he's at and wherever he's, you know, found happiness. Good for him. Uh, I miss some of the, the melancholic and like gut wrenching stuff that he used to put on his records, but Hey man, good for him i'm gonna keep listening to this see if i can eventually you know peel back the layers and get to where he's at you know I th- um i think i think a, a creative direction um that may be different from the previous records is better than mailing it in you know oh definitely like definitely. you got there are definitely albums of some of the bands that i've loved over the years that i'm just like really man like this just doesn't it's not even that it's just so different that I think it's weird and I'm not used to it. It's just, it's, it's just not as good. Like, it's just not, it's like they didn't try hard enough or there's, you know. Didn't... Oh, definitely. I think, I think rock music of all the genres is the worst culprit of that too. Um, I'm like so personally sick of dudes, uh, people in general just complaining like, you know, rock's not dead, man, you know, and like the constant conversation of, you know, is it dead or whatever, and then you look at what actually is going on in like mainstream rock music or what people are, you know, what people are listening to, and it's just like, you've been making the same record for three album cycles, uh, and then you have this other gigantic fan off to the left who's just doing something that already happened in the 70s or the 80s without even flipping it on its head in any way. It's just a carbon copy of it. And it's just like, what the fuck do you expect? You know, like, you're, it is dead. If this is all that it is, then it's definitely dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, say what you will about rap music and hip hop, but like, 
that's a genre that never gave a shit about what happened within its genre three years prior. You know what I mean? Like it's, it never cares about paying homage. It never cares about copying something. It is always evolving and always changing. Whether you like it is a different story. And I totally, you know, it's subjective matter, Mm -hmm. but one can't deny that like it pushes forward and it resonates with younger people, you know, at every step of the way. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know how the two can be compared in in that regard you know yeah rock music is uh um i i I said this i was talking about this like in one of my earlier episodes um and i don't know if i said it right or not but it was like i guess i'm still thinking about it but like the best way to, to put this out there but like i feel like there's there are bands there are like these big bands out there that are like have been doing it for years and um are getting play anytime they put out a record they get the airplay and um, it feels like, like I always feel like that a, that a band should grow and it should try new things for sure. Um, sometimes I feel like it's completely obvious that you're just you're just going along with whatever is hot. Um, sure. And and that is frustrating because um, when you do hear the things like "Rock Is Dead," all that stuff, um, it, it's all right. How do I say this? Like I feel like a lot of those bands are like failing future artists like future rock artists in the in the way that like um you know you have all this pull you've got this big name the station's gonna play you you know just because of who you are um but you choose to like go in this weird direction of like making it sound like pop music when it should be rock music you know and i'm all about melody dude i love melody like big hooks all that shit but there's plenty of great, successful rock songs that have amazing hooks and awesome melodies that don't have to go, you know, it's just like a, like a band like, to me, like a band like Fall Out Boy, I thought they were so great in like the late 2000s. And then now it's just, it just sounds like this, like a machine made it, you know? And right. I feel like those guys it could, they could make, you know, go back and make another like Infinity on High or something like that. And, and, it could do well. I, I don't know. And just sort of like re, re like energize that. And so, I don't know, just bring that back a little bit. I don't know. And see, it feels like we're going in this weird, like downward spiral of like transformer throwing up music. <laughs> does yeah, does it make sense? I, mean, I'm, I love making beats. Uh, totally. I make beats. I fucking, I love programming. I love synth. I love all that stuff. But like, who are you? You know? <laughs> sure. Sure. I think, um, you know, I think there's, I think the line has been blurred about what we consider and how we classify rock music. Um, I mean, I'll give you a prime example of when I started to realize that I was out of the loop on that. Um, I remember taking a meeting, I don't even know how many years ago. Uh, it was a long time ago, but I'll never forget this because I remember being like, oh, something's changing here. <laughs> um, and uh, it was with... Um, with a booking agent and a manager and they played me this new band that was yet to yet to be released yet to come out yet to play a show anything um and they were called the neighborhood and they were like they they looked at me and they were like they're gonna be the biggest thing on rock radio and i was like cool man i hadn't you know at that point in time i was listening to mostly soul stuff and like really wasn't paying attention to what was going on in rock music whether it be in the mainstream or any of the niche sort of worlds of it so I was excited to hear what the what was 
these guys were claiming to be the, you know, that they had the biggest thing in rock music or soon to be. And they played me the record and I was just like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Like, <laughs> this was going to be the biggest thing of rock music. And like, I was completely baffled, like genuinely confused, you know, and they were like, yes. And I started to realize I was like, okay, like what we're classifying as rock music now really only has to do with the percentage of guitars that you hear in the music and the way the drums are programmed. They don't have to be real. They just have to sound a certain way and have a certain quality to them that resembles or comes close to what we think is rock music. But, like, other than that, like, that's what's left of what we're calling the genre or what, like, you know, stations and programming are going to consider as rock music. And these guys were right. I was baffled, but they were right. Like, what they predicted was going to happen with this band happened, and I watched it happen. And I was stunned, you know, and um, and it's interesting because it's just like, it's just interesting to see, to have watched that happen and that shift occur. As far as what the answer is or as far as like, as far as what's going to, uh, I don't know, like um, revise that genre, uh, I have no idea, um, but... I could tell you what I'd like to see happen, and that is that something comes along that n nobody recognizes as anything familiar, that nobody recognizes as anything nostalgic, and embraces technology, embraces the future, and does things in a way that can easily be mimicked by kids everywhere because that's what's going on in rap music that makes it rebellious and makes it do all the things that rock music did for kids in the 90s and and even before then you know and and i think that's what it needs you know like i i really think that that's what it needs and um i don't know what that's going to be i've made my own attempts at doing that um <laughs> Uh, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to figure out, but like you know, as of right now, I think most of the rock acts are doing what needs to be done to compete with you know um, modern radio programming and yeah. uh, and all of that, and um, and that's why you're getting these sort of um, these quote unquote rock bands that to our ears don't sound like rock bands. Yeah. It's so weird, man. Yeah, it's a good, <clears throat> very interesting way to put it, the way you broke it down like that, um, the things you'd like to see out of it. That's, I've never thought of it that way. Um, yeah, I think with... Uh, I Actually, I loved a couple of those songs in the Neighborhood record. I thought it was great <laughs> when it came out. I know, you know what? I'm, I, everything I said, I, like it had nothing to do with my own opinion <laughs> right. in the Neighborhood. I haven't, I, I haven't even actually listened to one of their full records. Like It was just a snippet in the office and then like maybe singles I've heard in passing, and that's really it. So um, I don't even have an opinion on yeah. it. It was more just an ob observation. Um, but I wouldn't call it rock yeah, music, like, <laughs> personally. Yeah, I mean, Alternative. And, and, and it, totally, and it's all, it's all subjective anyway, because right. it's like, I have my friends who are, in, who are successful as hell, and they think everything sucks as far as like, you know, what everybody <laughs> considers rock music, you know, so it's like, 
And I see that. I'm like, yeah, you guys are killing it off in this sort of underground niche market, and you've got your your own thing going on here, and that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's like I just want I want to see I want to see it do. Like, remember? I don't know. You remember when the weekend came out and with like House of Balloons and those three EPs? Like, he was a, he was a, a traditional R and B or not a traditional, but R and he was considered an R and B artist when that when that record and that EP came out, and he was. The, the genre of R&B was the most stale, boring, corny shit ever at that point. And this dude came along and made it this, like, drug-infused, like, sort of self-deprecating, but also celebrating your vices type thing over these dark beats. Like, it was very exciting. Like, he he flipped a whole genre on its head that otherwise, up until that point, it was like, Usher, who's amazing, but, like, that was the face of R&B, you know what right. I mean? Um, and that's what we need. It's the same thing when Justin Vernon came around and decided to put out an EP that had, you know, his voice hard-tuned to all hell with auto-tune over this folk guitar uh, sound, and it was like he was flipping a genre on its head, and he wasn't afraid to mess with these new tools and utilize them in a way that was exciting for that entire genre. And like, I just think that's what, I think that's what the genre is going to need. How to do it, who's going to do it, I have no idea. Probably someone very young. Yeah, um, probably. Uh, but uh, I hope it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because I feel like, uh, starting, to, <laughs> starting to feel like, like the, old, the old dinosaur that just wants it to go back the way it was, you know? <laughs> like, you know, like, you fucking kids, what are you listening to? You know, like, this shit sucks. Like, I, right. I, you know, I want it to be 1994 again, you know? Uh, forward is the only way. It's the only way. <laughs> what are you going to yeah. do, right? Um, yeah, because then, because as much as you think you want that, I feel like we don't. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand your feeling, but I feel like, I feel like once you get that, it's just like, then you just get like Stranger Things. It's just like, you get these rock bands that are the Stranger Things of rock music. It's like, all of this was already done before. You just took the elements of it and you're like regurgitating them to a younger audience who doesn't know that these films and these ideas already existed before their time. Yeah, and then know? for everybody else, it's just nostalgic, you know? It takes you back the right. same tones and the, the sounds and the, exactly. and the look. Exactly, exactly. Which that's cool, like cool for Stranger Things, but like... I want new shit, you know what I mean? Like I want, I want somebody to take those things, but flip them on their, flip them upside down in a way that my ears are just like, holy shit! I never thought you could take this ingredient and mix it with this ingredient, and wow, you know, it was like, it was like nine inch, you know, with nine inch nails taking all of the, you know, the '80s stuff, the Cure, and all that, and mixing the songwriting capabilities with all this industrial stuff and this whole world of music that previously never really embraced songwriting. You know what I mean? Like he took ingredients and he mixed them together, and it was like this is a new thing. You know? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's crazy because you feel like so many things have been done. It's like what else can be done? You know, it's going to take somebody right. who's really fucking outside of the box to to really do something incredible. And different yep yep absolutely yeah i always say like especially lately with the with our new record i'm like yeah if it was 1996 my band would be fucking huge right now <laughs> <laughs> you know just like i said i just love that old style and um rocking out we kind of like I'm, i want to get more into like the ska punks scene like i just love like goldfinger and um 
you know, bands, Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake, bands like that, you know? Um, right, there's a, right. There's a new band called The Interrupter. Is it just like really getting on that sound, like kind of like the rancid, like and Out Come the Wolves kind of vibe? Um, yep, yep. I love that record. Yeah, great record. Um, but uh, yeah, always striving. I have all these crazy ideas. Like I have this whole solo thing that I'll be working on eventually. I just haven't gotten to it. Like more more alternative and modern sounding, I guess. And um, I love doo-wop. Like I love, like I have a, we have a few like doo-wop songs that, that we put out. And um, I like the idea of like making like a doo-wop record again or like a doo-wop, mix, maybe mixing it with like reggae or something. I don't know, just something interesting and different, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so uh, first vows, tell me about this. What, what made you uh, want to put out like a background music record, an instrumental record. Like, what, what is this? Um, so very cool sounding, by the way. I checked it out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think there were two, two sort of things motivating me to do that. Um, prior to that record, first house was just me, really. Uh, the last EP I collaborated with some producers on. Um, I think it was. You know, initially that project was me exploring just the whole other side of me. Um, like I had said earlier, the soulful stuff and uh, a lot of my love for sampling and things like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I put out an EP last year that was, I ha- I mean, for, for just lack of a better way of putting it, I had a weird relationship with it by the time it came out. I had just a lot of bullshit tied up in that EP as far as my own sort of associations with it. Um, and it left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know, I had all my close friends telling me, like, put it out, put it out, put it out. And I waited to do it because I just couldn't. And then I eventually just put it out and I felt really weird about it. Um, and... In the period of time that transpired between then and now, um, my uh, fiance Lisa is a visual artist, and one day she complained to me about the playlist on Spotify and everywhere in regard to ambient music. And we both really love ambient music, um, but she was like, you know, I'm kind of been playing the same however many records while I work for a long time, and I was like, oh, I feel like I could. I could do this, you know, I feel like I can sort of quickly throw something together for you that you listen to, and that turned into me just actually pouring two months of my life into, like, really crafting something that I was proud of and, and excited about, um, and then it sat for a while because I just didn't know what to do with it, so I was just like, oh, uh, this first file because it's this 12-track ambient record, and that doesn't belong there. And then ultimately I decided that this, that it is exactly where it belongs because I needed a sort of palette cleanser, uh, from the previous release anyway. And I, I thought it was a good opportunity to establish that project as whatever I want to do at any given moment. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then I just decided I'm going to put it out there. Yeah. So this is, <clears throat> this is fairly new, right? Like last week. Yeah. Yeah. I just put it out last week. Um, oh, congrats, man. Thank you. Uh, it's been cool, you know. Like a lot of a lot of people messaging me and emailing me, and telling me that they've also, you know, been in the same boat where they were just sort of annoyed by what's out there in the way of the playlists that are curated towards this functional purpose, and um, and they were just happy to have something from me that sounded like that. So um, 
So it was cool. You know, it was cool too because a lot of close friends hit me up too. Um, you know, friends who otherwise maybe don't listen to my stuff for what I do, uh, cause it's not their thing. But, uh, but with this record, they were like, you know, dude, this is perfect for what I'm, where I'm at right now, you know, and, uh, and that was cool. That was cool to hear from old friends and, uh, people appreciating it on a totally different level. So, yeah, I, I saw, um, on your Instagram, I believe, on your story or something, you said something about how, uh, you, like, your fans, like, they basically makes you feel like you can put out anything and they'll listen to it, and you, you're just really appreciative for that. I am. Uh, I am very appreciative of that. Like I said earlier, I feel like the majority of artists who, who really impacted me um, growing up and even today were those types of artists. Um, you know, like... Uh, you take somebody like Springsteen, who put out, like, Born in the USA, and then put out a record like Nebraska, like, one of my favorite records of all time, but it's a very polarizing record, um, or was, when you put it out, and, uh, I want to, you know, I, I would love to be one of those artists, so, and I, I know that I make a wide range of stuff, but the actual reception of it is out of my hands, and, um, I still admittedly get a bit, uh, self-conscious when it comes time to actually put stuff out there sure. i always wonder if uh, people are going to give a shit so uh when any amount of people give a shit it's uh it's definitely a wonderful feeling yeah yeah it's definitely um anytime you put out no matter what it is you know like anytime we put definitely. a song out or record whatever ep like you're always like i wonder if people are gonna like it <laughs> yeah yeah you know? I've, I've like i have this ritual of um I just go to the beach on release day whenever I release something. Um, this was actually the first time I put something out and didn't do it. And the only reason was because I had to watch my niece that day because <laughs> I got the call last minute that my, uh, that I needed to do that. So, uh, um, so I didn't go to the beach on this release day, but usually I would uh, just shut off my phone, not pay attention to anything and just kind of, you know, mentally be like, all right, it's out there. It's not mine anymore. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. On release day for me, it's like the complete opposite. I'm like, my phone's there blowing up with notifications. I'm engaging. I'm like, what's up? Oh, thank you. So oh, I'm so glad you like it. Oh shit. That's great. Heart, heart, right. heart, you know, fire emoji. Right, you know, whatever. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, yeah, you're, you're, <clears throat> you're stoked and you're, I don't know. It's like the anticipation, uh, if they're going to like it, you're, it's, it's all these things, a lot of emotions on release day for sure. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I don't. Is this something that, um, like, are you interested in touring at all on with with anything? Like, are you interested in being back on the road, or are you just done with that and you're just you just want to keep putting out music? Uh, no, I, I definitely am. Um, uh, I can't share too much, but I will say that Brian and I have been working on something for a year now, um, and. Uh, don't know what it is yet, or we know what it is, and I'm not allowed to say what it is yet. But um, uh, but we want to play shows with it. Um, That's exciting. We want to get out there with it. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting because it, it happened organically. Like, um, uh, if you asked me that exact question a year ago, I might have just said to you, like, no, I, you know, I really love my dog and my studio, and I kind of just want to be. In my studio with my dog all the time. <laughs> and, um, and that might have been my response. But, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like I make things 
uh, and then they dictate where my life goes uh, rather than being the type of artist that's like, I got this goal and that goal and I want to achieve this and I want to do this. It's like, I just kind of try to flow with whatever comes out of me. Um, and uh, it's not always easy doing that because it provides a temp, you know, sometimes things can be inconsistent in the way of just life in general when doing that. Right. But it, 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 it has helped me stay sane um, in other ways. So, uh, so yeah, I just, you know, every, every passing year, things just tend to come up and, you know, sort of cross paths with my world that I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I never thought of doing this, like, but let me give this a shot, you know, and, um, I just kind of go with it. So, uh, so yeah, most recently I finally hit some stuff that Brian and I both looked into the future and we're like, you know what? I think we might have to go out there and play these songs live. I think that might be an important part of, of this experience. That's really cool. Can you at least t- say like what it is as far as like a uh, uh, stylistically, or is it more rock, or is it more programmed, um, modern? I don't know what to call it. It's uh, <laughs> cool it's too. Different. Acceptable. It's different. Yeah, it's different than uh, than anything that we've done together uh, before. You know, because we've now done a few projects together, and it's unlike any of those projects. So. Um, so yeah, uh, I feel like if I labeled it before anybody heard it, I'd be doing it a disservice. Sure. So I, uh, I, I'd rather people just hear it. And when that will be, I do not know, but we are, we're definitely doing our best to, uh, to get to that day as, as quickly as we can. That's cool. Whenever it's, uh, whenever it's ready, man, throw it my way and I'll, uh, I'll you know, make posts about it or whatever. Let people know what's up. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, I definitely man. will. Um, definitely. Finally, I guess, um, what do you think about, uh, how do you feel about Spotify, Apple Music streaming, you know, as opposed to the old world of CDs and downloads and things like that? Like, do you feel like it's, it's, uh, I mean, is is this just the way that we're headed? Is this how it's going to be? Um, I try not to, you know, like I brought up potential differences is how we experience music and records and the license we give to artists mm-hmm. to um, you know go about their career and how that may have changed between the physical and digital formats and how that might have contributed like I brought that up earlier uh, that being said I try not to fight those things so I try not to be like you know we got to go backwards or whatever because I don't think it's possible um, you know there's an entire generation of people that have literally never held a physical copy of anything in their hands. Like, and I don't, I don't think that there's any sense in trying to convince them the worth of that. Um, especially because I'm, I'm now somewhat part of the problem, you know, like <laughs> my, uh, um, my friend who works in film went to hand me like a screener, uh, the other day because he gets these awards season screeners for films and I literally looked at him and I was like I just realized something I don't have anything to play this on (laughs) I literally I don't own a device to play this disc on and I was like wow like here I am you know I've arrived as one of these people (laughs) and uh yeah so like I I don't know if there's any sense of fighting it um 
I think that the problem that still can be fixed is the way in which these services and uh, the way in which these services sort of operate and treat music and artists. Um, I I think that they're not the majority of them or a lot of them are not doing a great job. Um, and I think that's very unfortunate because I think that the, the way to go about fixing that is very simple. Um, I'll give you a prime example. Please. Uh, so I just like I went on one of these meditation playlists since a bunch of people had said like you should you should get on there you know um, and uh, I did it like just a bit of research on you know I just saw the artist clicked play and it was just like looking at the names of the artists looking at the song titles and then looking at their Spotify pages and I'm just like something's off here like something that's just strange something about this feels like it was like AI generated or something. Mm. And then I Googled one of the artists and what was interesting is that the only links that come up are the Spotify page links and the iTunes page links. If they even had iTunes page links, it might have just been Spotify. Mm. And then what also came up is a few articles about Spotify paying producers a flat fee to create a whole bunch of ambient music that then they put out under fake artist names. What? And then funnel all of the royalties and publishing back into their company because these playlists are so popular because a lot of people want this genre of music to study to whatever. So they have 800,000, a million followers on these playlists. But rather than giving those opportunities to actual artists out there who, not even artists like myself who like dabbled in this genre, but like think about the entire realm of people out there who are strictly making ambient music. Like that is their calling. And you are completely undermining that and cutting them out of an opportunity by devaluing music as a whole and giving it to people who maybe don't have time or don't really want to go and have to research. They type in meditation on Spotify and they trust this playlist is a curated list of quality selection. You know, and again, I can't stress enough. I'm not even talking about my own frustrations of not being on there. Yeah. Just frankly, I don't give a shit. <clears throat> um, but like, uh, like, uh, you know, I, th I thought about the fact, like, once I discovered that, I was like, I remember Blake Mills put out an ambient record a, like a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. He's one of my favorite producers, musicians, uh, out there right now. Um, he's, Produced massive records for John Legend, Alabama Shakes, um, Dawes, Perfume Genius, some of my favorite records of the past five years. Um, on top of putting out his own solo records that are also incredible and very successful. So you would think, like I thought to myself, I was like, well, if anybody belongs on this playlist, somebody like him, like he's, he's far higher on the totem pole than I am. And I looked at his streaming numbers out of curiosity and I was like, no, nah, he's definitely not on any of these playlists. So it's, just goes to show you the disparity between like it's not as it's not as though they're they're i don't know if it's like they don't have their finger on the pulse or they're not trying or whatever or there, it is this conspiracy but like whatever the case is like that's a huge huge problem 
you know, like that is a massive, massive problem. It's like the way that the majority of people are receiving their new music or receiving their music as a whole are via these playlists. And this kind of fuckery is going on at that company. You know what I mean? Like that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just like, that's bullshit. And it's not, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it just it it's upsetting because it devalues the power of music and what it is, and that is not what we need right now. When people are already clicking next on anything that doesn't communicate with them in under ten seconds, right. so I just think like I'm fine with streaming. Like I'm not going to fight the future. This is how people receive their music. I do it too. I listen to music on Spotify as well as other streaming services. Same. I'm guilty. Um, I'm not sitting at home like a vinyl purist or anything. I'm I'm not, you know. Um, and it's fine, but like, just can put a little bit of effort in. Be genuine. You know? like, just <laughs> yeah, like it's it's just, it's a very simple problem to fix, you know. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I just think more could be done in, in that in that regard, um, in just re, in just promoting, you know. And it's, I'm not the only one to bitch about it too. Like, you know, I remember Vince Staples played like some Spotify South by Southwest thing, and I remember him calling them out on stage for this shit that they had been pulling with their playlisting and stuff, or whatever they were doing. Uh, or oh, it was the royalties. That's what it was. It was the royalty rate. And um, yeah, it's just. They're easy fixes, but um, but they're getting away with it, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, and in in that regard, it's no different from the the age of like payola and radio, and when dudes were slipping, you know, DJs money under the table to get their records spun. It's 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 very similar to that from sort of the shit that I've uncovered via talking to friends and stuff. Um, it gets real dark real fast. Yeah, that's the, when you first started describing it. I was like, it sounds like some weird form of payola. <clears throat> yeah, it it gets worse than even what I've just like put out there, and uh, I think it'll it's got to catch up to them at some point in in some way. But um, but yeah, like I I've even worked with some people who have worked closely with streaming companies who have uncovered stuff stuff that they've pulled for their own artists. And I'm just like, man, I mean, that's that's cool that you did that, but also like super sketchy and fucked up, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. and I've just, yeah, I've heard a lot that I didn't want to hear. And um, yeah, that's my general feeling on streaming. Hmm. It's the fucking future or it's here and it's here to stay. But like, I don't think we are past the point of, of fixing the, the inherent problems with it that exist. Yeah, um, that is a problem that I did not know existed. That's fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it sucks. It, it definitely, it definitely sucks. Because I, I think people are inherently good in 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 wanting to support artists, in wanting to you know do the right thing. And when you have services that don't make it easy for them to do that, um, it's sad. You know, uh, it, it, they don't even realize. You know, and and that's what's that's what's kind of sad. It's like you know, because I see, I like I put my music on Bandcamp and stuff, and people pay more than the actual album costs just because they want to, and it's insane to me and incredible, and 
you know, uh, you see stuff like that and you're just like, okay, like there's still a value to this thing, you know, like there people can, people view music as having value while other forces outside of them, of these people are telling them otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. We have fans that will throw us extra money here and there. It's just like the weirdest, coolest thing ever. It's, it's like, you don't have to do that, but you did, you know, people do still care. Yeah. I think people realize that like there are, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, how important music is to us, you know, as humans, you know, and if it wasn't there anymore, we'd be bummed the fuck out, I think. And, um, oh, absolutely. you know, and, uh, I know I would. <laughs> and, uh, um, but then there's a lot of people that think it needs to be free and they should just be able to get it. You know, it's just the weirdest thing. But that, you know, people like you and me and a lot of other people that I know and, and you know, we spend a lot of fucking time making this, you know, a lot of time, yeah. a lot of, uh, I, I've cried for this, you know, uh, it's, of it's, it's, uh, you know, I've sacrificed a lot of time away from my family, you know, doing this and, um, it means a lot to me. And to just the thought of just giving it away in, you know, in some way, I don't care if somebody fuck, honestly, dude, I don't give a fuck if somebody, uh, downloads it off a torrent site, if that's still a thing, you know, like it used to be, but I just want people to have the music, you know, but, um, yeah, when companies start to like corporate companies start to just like use it as a tool, as opposed to like, I don't know. I don't think it's a tool, man. Music's not a tool. It's right. Right. It's a part of us. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the more that they do that, there becomes a greater separation between the music that is used as a tool and the music that's that actually is important and resonates. And if that's the silver lining, then uh, then that's at least good. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that gap becomes wider every day. Um, yeah. And that's good because I don't, I don't. I would hope that people don't blur the lines between the two. You know. Mm-hmm. Fucking wild. Well, uh, damn, that was a great conversation, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! It was great talking to you. Yeah. You too, man. Uh, so, where can everybody find you? It's, it's uh, on Instagram. I know it's first vows. It's one S T V O W S. Correct. Number one S T vows V O W S. Same thing on Twitter. Uh, I believe if you search on Facebook. Uh, it's the same thing. Um, uh, yeah, but my whole catalog is pretty much anywhere that anybody would digitally get music um, on iTunes and Spotify, and everybody would just talk shit on. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's in all of those places, <laughs> and uh, it's on Bandcamp and all that stuff too. Um, and uh, yeah, I probably use. If there's any way that I communicate um, most frequently, it's probably via my Instagram. I don't tweet much. I talk too much to fit it into the character limit that Twitter allows. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, so you can reach me there um, if anybody's interested. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Right on, man. Congrats on the new release. I think that's really rad. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to be checking it out for sure. I, I listened to it a little bit before we got on, but um, definitely going to check it out more. And I'm going to dig into the Envy on the Coast uh, catalog because I'd heard a couple songs, but um, I definitely want to get back more into it. And like I said, your your voice is fucking killer, dude. 
Like, thank you so much, Howie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that. man. So I, I, I recognize a good voice. I love a good voice, and that yours is fucking butter. So, good job on that. Thank you. Dude. <laughs> Don't worry. Thank you, dude. Awesome, man. Well, um, hope to talk talk again soon. Thanks so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. All right, bud. Uh, have a wonderful day. You as well. All right. Later. There you have it, Ryan Hunter, Envy on the Coast, First Vows. Um, check out all of his music. Uh, dude seems legit. Um, seems He's very down to earth, very easy to talk to. Um, very cool music. Uh, the rock band stuff, the, the Envy on the Coast. Um, definitely, definitely go take a listen. Dude's voice is insane. Um, so thank you, Ryan, for being on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Um, you can follow him on Instagram, uh, first vows, one S T V O W S. Um, just look him up on all the socials and, uh, go follow his catalog, first vows and envy on the coast. You won't be disappointed. I promise. Um, thanks so much to the supporters of the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to learn about supporting the podcast, um, go to talesfromgreenroom.com, hit the support the podcast button. You can uh, choose between different tiers. Um, 99 cents 4.99 or 9.99 um, thank you to everybody that's already supporting I, I really appreciate it it just means a lot to me helps out with the admin stuff and website and um, you know hopefully making this better uh, maybe one day I'll hire a producer and I can just talk and then the producer can just do all the editing and all the bullshit right <laughs> it's like no I actually enjoy doing all that um, but uh uh, song of the day on YouTube. Make sure you're following the channel, uh, youtube.com slash Howie Spangler. Um, a new song, not a new song, but a song every day. Um, in usually in the evening, like seven ish, between seven and eight EST. Uh, a lot of people are saying they're digging it, and for me to never stop. So I don't know, we'll see. We're gonna get, get through January and we'll see how it goes. Um, trying to find my best, uh, my best um, workflow to make it. You know, to, I want it to gel. You know, it takes a while to kind of get in the groove, and I want to be able to like film. You know, grab the SD card out of the camera, throw it, throw it in the laptop, open up Premiere, edit it down. You know, just there's not a whole lot of editing. It's pretty much top and tail, right? Now I'm getting nerdy with you, um, and then uh, you know, get it up on the on the on the interwebs there and make a thumbnail. It's a lot of work, but I'm trying to figure out how to streamline it, and make it quicker, and. Um, a little less time consuming. I do enjoy doing it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's a lot of work. Um, so thanks a lot for if you're following that. Please tell your friends. Subscribe. Hit the like button. Leave comments. Let me know what you'd like me to play. Uh, I'm going to dig really far into the Ballyhood catalog and just play a bunch of shit. And maybe some new songs as they come. Things like that. Um, and lastly, Ballyhoo is going on tour next month. we got One Love Festival out in Long Beach. Uh, and then we're kicking off a tour with the Expendables and Cashed Out. Go to BallyHooRocks.com slash tour to get tickets. And we will see you soon. Alrighty then. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Tales from the Green Room. This has been episode 53. I am Howie Spangler, your, your thankful, grateful host. Um, yeah, see you on the interwebs. Alright, bye-bye.